Man, it is the best time of the year, not just because it's Christmas, but because we have the blessed hope. We know why of, we know the why of Christmas, right? That it's all about Jesus. And so uh, I'm excited to finish off the last part of our series called The Coming King. And for the last two weeks, we've been talking about the events leading up to the birth of Jesus. And now we're going to look at the events surrounding his birth and then his life and, man, what he did for you and for me. And I'm so excited to get into this today. So uh, we're going to go ahead and be in Matthew 2 today. If you want to turn in your Bibles, Matthew 2. And then if, if you don't have a Bible, get your phone. If you haven't already, I would really encourage you to get the YouVersion Bible app. It'll help you read your Bible more. Uh, I love the YouVersion Bible app because I have the Morgan Freeman sounding guy read it to me sometimes. And it is just the best when you're in the car and you have that soothing voice over the Christmas season reading, the, reading Matthew 2 to you, right? Uh, but we're going to have it up on the screen as well. Matthew 2, 1 through 2. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. We've come to worship him. So what do we know about King Herod? Okay, King Herod was, uh, how do I put this nicely? He was not a good dude, all right? Herod was a terrible man, all right? He was a tyrant in that, in that region. He was the king of Judea. He was a Roman citizen. So Rome had actually conquered that whole area, basically. You know, the Roman Empire, kind of a you know, little thing from world history, if you ever did that in high school. They had this massive empire, and Herod was chosen uh, to be the king of that area, Jerusalem, that whole thing where Jesus was, Bethlehem, all of that. And he was not a good man. He actually killed some of his family members, and, and they even know that he killed his wife and a few of his kids. I mean, the guy was a, a tyrant. He was not a good king by any standard. And you know what's interesting about this is that even though he was a terrible, terrible king, we see Jesus, who's the perfect king, was born in the midst of all of that mess that we see there in Matthew 2. Herod was not a good man, he was not a good king, and yet we have the example of what a perfect king looks like. And so that's what we're going to look at today. And, and we're going to skip a few verses down in Matthew 2, 9 through 11. We're going to talk a little bit about the wise men. If you see magi, okay, that, that's basically the wise men. And so after they had heard the king, the wise men, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother, Mary. They bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, I just ask that you would open our eyes, open our ears, open our hearts today to receive the word that you have for us. And everybody said... Amen, amen. Hey, so the wise men, what do we know about these guys? Well, we know that they were uh, religious men of some sort from a religious class. They were highly educated men, and they likely studied in a natural science, maybe something like medicine, but we for sure know that they studied in astrology. And astrology is basically the, the study of how the stars and, and the planets and everything aligning or moving around actually affects us as people. And so they believed that, that that was a thing. And so, you know, we don't know exactly how God reached them and told them about this Bethlehem star. And, and, but what we do know is, is kind of an upsetting thing for those of you that have the nativity scene 
ingrained into your head from grandma's house. You know what I mean? Like grandma has it up on the, on the nightstand. She's got it up on like the mantle. She's got like the nativity scene outside. She's trying to win like the HOA contest for like the Christian, you know, Christmas lights set up or whatever. And it's always got the three wise men, right? And they're all just like, oh, the three wise men, you know? And then they're all there at the manger. I'm about to burst that nativity bubble. And I'm so sorry for all of you out there. But we don't know exactly how many wise men there were, but we do know that there was probably a lot more than three, okay? It wasn't just the three wise men, right? There's a lot more probably than three of them. And they also were not there when Jesus was a little baby as well. They were actually there any time from 40 days after Jesus was born, any time up to two years after he was born. We don't know exactly when they were there, but we know that it was long after Jesus had been born. So he wasn't in the manger anymore. He was, you know, in diapers crawling around or something like that. You know what I mean? But that's when they got there. And also we know that they gave him gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now, I know one of those things uh, the ladies would love to have as a Christmas gift. I don't know about frankincense and myrrh. Maybe it'd be nice, but you're not like very familiar with frankincense and myrrh. But those were really, really nice gifts, okay? And we know that these wise men traveled from a long way away. They weren't just like right around the corner and then, you know, like a year later, they're like, hey, what's up, Jesus? You know, like they saw this star from a long, long way away and they traveled by foot, traveled by camel to get there. It was a long time that they traveled to get there and they brought these amazing gifts. These wise men knew that something important was going on. They knew that something important was going down and that a king had just been born. And these gifts that they brought these aren't like your stocking stuffer gifts. You know what I mean? Like all of the men out there that you're, you know, you see the stocking up on the mantle and you're like, I know that there's socks in there. You know what I mean? Like I just know it. I know there's socks and I'm going to get them and it's, it, I get the same thing every year. You know, these were not the stocking stuffer kind of gifts. This is the gift that your wife like takes you out into the driveway kind of gift. And then there's a new brand new F-150 there with the bow on top of it. You know, like that's the kind of gifts that we're talking about here. These are some nice gifts. Okay, I'm, I'm speaking that in, in faith for some of you men out there today. Okay, <laughs> come on now. You got, I receive it. I receive it, Lord. Anyway, these are some good gifts. These were gifts for a king. And so what I want to do today, if you know anything about me, is I love to have fun in church, y'all. I think church should be fun. I think we should have a good time. So will y'all play a game with me today? Will y'all play a game with me? Okay, we're going we're gonna to play a game called Name That King. And we're gonna, it's a Christmas edition. I, we're never going to do this again. But it's Christmas edition. So I want you to name these different kings with me. We're going to put one on the screen. Who is this? Where is he? Elvis. Elvis. And who is he the king of? What is he the king of? King of rock and roll. Come on now. Uh, and then the next one, who is this? Michael Jackson. And what is he the king of? The king of pop. <laughs> okay. Uh, then we have this guy. Who is this? LeBron James. LeBron James. Okay. What is he the king of? Self-proclaimed the king of basketball, but if you've seen The Last Dance, uh, Michael Jordan has some choice words for, for this guy. He would claim himself to be the king of basketball, but they do call him, anyway, King James. You know, I'm not here to argue about that at all. Uh, but what I'm going to put up next, who is this person? A little bit tougher. Who is it? Bezos. Jeff Bezos. Okay. And what is he the king of? Well, hold on. You actually, you might not really know. <laughs> 
Listen, Jeff Bezos, he is, he is the king, and I just threw this in there for fun, but he's the king of online retail, y'all. I mean, Amazon is on top of all of it right now. And honestly, the only reason I put him in there is to remind you that it's too late. If you didn't already get the gifts, this man can't help you anymore, y'all. Like, this, the Amazon Prime can't do anything for you. It is too late. You got to go to the store and actually get out and find some kind of gift because it is too late to get it from Amazon. Okay, uh, the next thing, I, I just wanted you to know that there are some animals that are, are kings in, in the kingdom as well. So who is this up here? This is Simba. Simba, okay. He is the king of what? The lions, because he's the Lion King. It's an awesome movie. I remember when I was a kid, uh, my mom and dad will vouch for this, and my aunt, I think she has a video of this, but I would get on the coffee table, and I would sing this song, you know, I just can't wait to be king, and I would, you know, like, shake my booty a little bit, and I didn't know how to really dance yet. I was, like, two years old at the time, but I loved that movie. It was awesome. He's the Lion King, and then we have another one, another animal. Who is this? King Kong. He's a gorilla. He's huge. He's terrifying, okay? Uh, then we have the weirdest king of all. Who is this? Guys, I, I don't like this mascot. <laughs> this is the creepiest mascot that has ever been made in the history of mascots. Why in the world did they think this was a good option? Even the commercials, it's all just weird. And to be honest, I don't even really like Burger King. And we all know in the state of Texas... Who the king is of burgers. Throw out that W for what a burger, baby. Come on now. That is the king of burgers in Texas. You know it. I know it. It'll get me into some real trouble, guys. I preach about Whataburger entirely too much. Okay. Uh, but then we have one more king, and he's up on the screen. And who is this? Kanye West, self-proclaimed king of rap. But you know what? He put out an album a little bit ago called Jesus is King. And I'll tell you, that album is fire, y'all. It's pretty good. My son, he loves this one song. It's called Everything We Need, all right? And he'll, he used to dance to it and sing it all the time. And it's at this one little part that goes, ooh, 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 we have everything we need. And he just this little, ooh, ooh. And so Oakland would walk around going like, ooh, 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 ooh. And I'm like, Kanye, you sinner. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but hey, listen, he got one thing right. You know, Kanye had this spiritual experience, and he says that he's come to the Lord now, and so he made this album. And I believe that Kanye, no matter what's going on in his life, he did get one thing right, and that is that Jesus is king. Amen? Jesus is king. Come on now. There is a king, and he's in this room today, and his name is Jesus. But he wasn't the king that the Jews expected him to be. He wasn't the king that anybody expected him to be. You know, the Jews, they were looking for a Messiah that had been prophesied about for hundreds and even thousands of years. And they were waiting for this Messiah to come liberate them from this Roman rule and set up his throne and all this stuff. But Jesus wasn't really like that at all. When they expected him, maybe their Messiah, to be born in a palace. I mean, that's where kings are born, right? They're born in palaces. They're, they're born with nice stuff and they have, you know, the nicest clothes. He might have the Kanye Yeezys on, you know what I'm saying? He's like a fly looking baby, right? And that's what they would expect out of their king. But that's not where Jesus was born at all. He was born in a manger around some farm animals. That doesn't make sense. That's not what they would have expected. They might've thought that this king was going to be born into wealth. He's going to have a lot of money, he can do a lot of good with all this money. He can save us. You know, he's going to be able to, to buy us out of this, whatever it might be. But no, he was actually born into poverty, into a, just a regular, 
everyday family like yours and mine with Mary and Joseph. They weren't special at all. They were just normal people. Maybe they thought, okay, okay, maybe he'll be a, a politician, right? Somebody that has a lot of influence or he'll be a, a military leader and he can actually, you know, take the throne back from the Romans and, and make happen what nobody has done before and, and set up his earthly throne. It's going to be great, but that's not exactly what he was either. He was a carpenter, a carpenter. He worked with his hands. You have to think, picture this, you know, Jesus as a carpenter, his hands were probably rough. He probably had a lot of scratches and a lot of, a lot of sawdust even on it, whatever it might be. You know what I mean? They, they were rough and he worked with his hands. He didn't have the nicest clothes, the nicest things. He, you know, if you're a carpenter, what do you wear? You're wearing Wranglers and a t-shirt. You know what I'm saying? Like that's what Jesus would have been in if he was today. He probably had his robe and his sandals and his feet were probably dirty. And, you know, he wasn't a, a, a high influence politician or anything like that. He ended up being a, a nomad pretty much and just traveled all around. And they thought maybe he'd be a high class citizen, be a, an Instagram influencer or something like that you know he's the one like he's coming into Jerusalem and he's all like on Instagram live and he's like hey y'all what's up he's on TikTok for those of you that are on TikTok you know what I mean he's like hey what's up guys I just want to let y'all know I'm coming to Jerusalem Jesus you know the Messiah of the world what's up what's up I got this sick camel check this out y'all what's up you know they thought maybe that's how Jesus would be he'd be an Instagram influencer have a lot of followers have a lot of people that he could influence in that way but he wasn't necessarily a high-class citizen either he was actually a friend of sinners is what the Bible says. They thought maybe he'd be a, a super high up religious priest or like a celebrity pastor. That'd be cool, right? The Messiah is going to come and, and maybe if he doesn't have influence in the pol politics world or, or the, the military world or any of that other stuff. He's not like a high class person. He's not like an actor or something like that. You know, he's not LeBron James. You know, he's not like a, a, that kind of guy. Maybe he'll just be an a awesome celebrity pastor, have a big following. It'll be really cool. But you know what? He wasn't religious in that way. Jesus actually loved those that religion rejected. That was so interesting. They wouldn't have expected that from their king. That didn't make any sense. And on top of that, he loved those that religion rejected, but he actually then chose those people to hang out with on a regular basis. He hung out with those people. He chose 12 disciples that were tax collectors, that were fishermen, that were outcasts by the world's standards, that weren't good enough to be the carriers of, of the, the Torah, their Hebrew Bible. They didn't understand it well enough. They, didn't, they weren't able to be the religious leaders of the day. And so they just had regular day jobs like anybody else, you know. But that's who Jesus chose. Tax collectors were actually hated among all the people in the Jewish culture. And yet Jesus chose Matthew, who was a tax collector. They wouldn't have expected that. That doesn't make any sense from a king, right? And he called himself a servant, they wouldn't have expected a king to be like a servant. He actually took those 12 men and he washed their feet. I don't know if you know that, that when you're traveling around on a regular basis and you wear sandals and you're walking everywhere that you go, your feet is nasty, okay? Like they are some nasty feet, right? And so they would actually wash their feet before they entered a home. And Jesus got down on his hands and knees with those hands that were rough, got down on his hands and knees and washed the disciples' feet. They didn't even want him to. They said, Jesus, you can't do this. You can't wash our feet. And he said, listen, I have to do this. You know, I'm not here to be served, but I'm here to serve. He was a servant, and they wouldn't have expected that out of their Messiah. And he actually, to those men and those women and to others around him that were those outcasts, that were those sinners maybe, he showed forgiveness to them 
and called out the religious hypocrites that were in the temples, making themselves look good and puffing themselves up. You know, they might have thought that Jesus or the Messiah is going to be one of us, you know, like from the religious class, one of the religious leaders. And he said, you know what? You guys are putting up all these man-made laws, all this man-made religion. It's all about religion and laws. And you're putting all this stuff up that has nothing to do with the kingdom of God at all. And he called out their hypocrisy. At the same time, he was forgiving sinners as they were coming into the kingdom of God. No one would have expected that from the Messiah of the Jews, their king. And nobody certainly would have expected Jesus to ride into Jerusalem on a donkey? On a donkey? That's like not even cool, Jesus. Like you couldn't have picked anything else. It's not like a Ferrari or like anything. I mean, you could have chose at least like a Honda Civic, you know what I mean? Like get something nice. You know, you're the king, right? But no, he rode in on a donkey. And that didn't meet their standards either. And that was the issue that the Jews had with Jesus and these religious people is that they expected their king to come in a certain way, to look a certain way, act a certain way, to be a certain something. And this guy, Jesus, didn't meet any of their standards. Here's the problem is that, that kings and Jesus are very, very different. Earthly kings versus Jesus. So let me tell you a little bit about the difference between Jesus and a regular earthly king. A king is all about power, right? But Jesus was all about people, amen? A king is all about wealth and accumulating more of it, but Jesus was all about worth and showing people that they already have it. Come on, people. Kings are all about getting more respect and demanding respect, but Jesus was all about inviting you into a relationship with him. A king had servants. Jesus became a servant. Kings ask for sacrifices, and Jesus became the sacrifice for you and for me so that we could have life. That's the difference between a king and Jesus. They are vastly, vastly different. And nobody would have expected then, even after that, that Jesus would be this king, would be put on trial for crimes that he didn't even commit. How is a king supposed to be in court right now? That doesn't make any sense. And then this innocent king had never done anything wrong in his life, who we know to be the son of God, was then beaten. He was whipped. He was stripped naked. His beard was pulled on, pulled out. He was spit on. And he was ridiculed. This man who had done so much for others, who had healed the blind eyes and the deaf ears, who had seen lame people get up and walk, who had spoken love to people, who accepted people that the world rejected. He did nothing wrong. The Son of God in the flesh was now being persecuted And he was put up on a cross. Now, I don't know if you know anything about a cross, but it was a torture device for criminals. It was a criminal's death. It was a murderer's death that Jesus went through. And what they would do is they would take this cross, they would lay it on the ground, and they would lay you on top of it, and they would drive nails, one through your wrist here, and the other through the wrist here into the wood. They would take your feet and put them together and drive one nail right through both of them, and into the wood. And that's how Jesus was hung on the cross. He was put up and hoisted up in front of people. So what they would do is they would hoist up these criminals, and then people would walk by, and they would get to see them and make fun of them, spit on them, 
ridicule them even more. For hours and hours and hours as they are suffering, suffering, trying to breathe, that's, they couldn't even breathe. What they would do is they would pull themselves up to breathe for just a minute, and then as they would come back down, they would start to suffocate anymore, but eventually they would lose their strength, and you actually die on the cross of suffocation. So they put him on this cross, and they, they're making fun of him, and actually in Mark 15, 32, as they're making fun of him, somebody says, hey, let the Christ, King of Israel, come down now from the cross that we may see and believe. Those who were crucified with him also reviled him. Hey, why don't you get on down here, Jesus? You know, you said that you're the king, right? You said you're the son of God. Sure you are. Why don't you come on down and really show us? Like, you know, do some of that little voodoo magic that you do, Jesus, and dissolve the, 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 the little nails that are in your hands. And just come on down and tell us that you're the king, and we'll believe you then, Jesus. They're making fun of him. And then in Matthew 27, 37, it says, And over his head they put the charge against him, which read, This is Jesus, the king of the Jews. You remember that from earlier? King of the Jews. Who said that before? Well, the same phrase that the wise men used to worship Jesus 33 years earlier is the same phrase that the Romans and the Jews used to curse God as Jesus was hung on the cross facing his imminent death. It was the same phrase, king of the Jews, but used in vastly different ways. And you know what's crazy is that Jesus really could have saved himself, right? I mean, he honestly could have. We know that Jesus had all power and authority. He could have called down legions of angels from heaven, and you know, he could have jumped off that cross and dissolved the nails and everything, and they'd have been like, whoa, and then he calls down fire from heaven and just destroys all these people that came against him. He could have taken that earthly throne and set up this amazing earthly kingdom for himself. But you know what he did instead of all of that? As he hung on the cross, he looked out and he looked up to God and he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. You don't expect a king that's being murdered by his own subjects to ask for forgiveness from God for those people. To cry out for mercy for those people. No one expects a king to forgive as he takes his last breath. And then the, the disciples, too, they, they didn't expect Jesus to die. They're like, how can this be? How can he die? I mean, he said that he was going to do all these amazing things, and, and we believe that he's the son of God. How can he be dead? This doesn't make any sense. They didn't expect it either. He tried to tell them so many times, but they just didn't get it. They didn't understand. And then Jesus took his last breath, said, Father, to your hands I commit my spirit. He took his last breath. He was buried in a borrowed tomb, and the stone was rolled in front. And at that point, it seems like it's all over, right? Seems like, well, all this stuff that we went through, all this time that we followed Jesus, it's, it's all for nothing. He's dead. The Jews and the Romans, ha, gotcha. That's not our king. That's not the guy we expected. You know, expectations are kind of funny, they're kind of difficult sometimes. As I was studying for this message, I found this definition of expectations that I thought was kind of hilarious. It says that expectations are premeditated resentments. That makes sense, doesn't it? Premeditated resentments. How many of y'all have ever had a premeditated resentment against somebody or against you? It's like when your wife says, hey, will you take out the trash? And she's looking at you like, I know you're not going to do it. So I am premeditating my resentment already. You know, like I am premeditating it. Uh, and so I'm going to go through a list of some expectations that you might have and maybe they're not met. You know, have you ever ordered a steak medium rare 
and then it comes out well done, and that's just not a good look. You know what I mean? Like I see that maybe some of y'all, you order your steak well done, and it comes out medium rare. And to those of you, I would say, why in the world did you order your steak well done? I, I don't understand you people at all. You got to get that mid rare. That's some good stuff right there. But then you have to decide, okay, am I going to be that person that like has to send the food back? And you're like trying to cut in different places to see like, can I salvage some of this? Like how much of this? Like, I don't know. Should I send it back? Maybe he's like, I don't know. You know what I mean? Like I don't just do whatever you want, you know, you're trying to figure out, am I going to be that person? We got an expectation it was going to come a certain way. Maybe you have been driving somewhere before, and normally it takes 30 minutes to get there. Like, let's say you, you commute into downtown Austin for work or something like that. You're like, hey, it's about a 30-minute drive to get there, you know, give or take a few minutes, but then it takes an hour and a half to get into downtown because of traffic or a wreck or whatever it might be. You have this expectation. You're like, well, if I would have known, I would have got up an hour earlier so that I could have got there on time. But how am I supposed to know that? You know, I-35 is the worst. I think we can all agree on that. Everybody said amen. Come on. Uh, maybe you, uh, as the new year rolls around, you'll make a new year's resolution. I'm going to, I'm going to work out y'all. I'm going to stop going to Whataburger. I'm going to look good. I'm going to lose some weight guys. We'll see about that. Right. But you go and you start working out. You're like, I'm doing good. You're on the treadmill. You're going, you're going, you're going. Two weeks go by and you know, you get back on the scale and you're like, this is going to be great. I'm going to lose so much weight. And you gain five pounds. You gained five pounds. It's like, oh, my goodness, I can't believe I gained weight. Why? Because you cheated and went to Whataburger. I know you did. I know you did. That's what I would do, honestly. Or maybe <laughs> my wife's shaking her head. Yeah, okay. So maybe you've given a gift one time, and you thought this was a great gift, right? I'm expecting, like, an awesome reaction. You know, it's going to be great. And then they say, oh, thank you so much. And you're like, that's it? <laughs> like, thank you so much. Like, not like a, a big hug or like, oh, wow, this is great or something like that. Like, just, just thank you so much. Okay. I felt like that, that gift was a lot more than a thank you so much. But, you know, it's whatever. It's okay. It's fine. I'm not hurt or offended or anything like that. Maybe you've asked your kids to take out the trash before. And to that, I would say uh, you expected them to do that the first time. Uh, I never took out the trash the first time my parents asked me to. I got better at it over the years. I really did. But listen, uh, sometimes it takes two, three, four times. By the fourth time, you're like, you better take that trash out right now or I'm going to get your father. You know what I'm saying? Like you really get into that voice. And they're like, okay, fine, mom, fine. I'm going to take out the trash, you know. But we have that expectation that our kids are supposed to do what we tell them to do. And sometimes they don't, right? Maybe sometimes we have expectations that don't get met or that things look a little bit different. You thought maybe that this year would look a little bit different than it has, right? I think everybody thought this year would look a lot different than it has. Have you ever thought that your finances would be better? You expected that your finances would be better in a better place by now. Expected that that sin or that addiction that's in your life, that you'd be conquered that, it'd be over with by now. Thought that your marriage would be in a better place, that you have a better relationship with your kids or you'd have a certain job by now or maybe you just expected that you'd have your life together by now, whatever that might be for you. And in 2020, listen, nobody expected this year to happen, okay? Like nobody could have expected all of the stuff that has gone on in 2020, right? It has been a crazy, crazy year. And it's been full of difficult situations. I mean, we talked about a lot of this in our first series as a church we did. It was called Under God, where we talked about politics and culture and the church and how all of those things intersect. It was really, really cool. But we talked about, uh, you know, the coronavirus, how it is just absolutely, I remember it was on my birthday. I've said this a few times now, but it was on my birthday. And then the day after, March 16th, March 17th, right around there, 
there. We were watching a Dallas Mavericks basketball game. And then in the middle of the game, everything just got shut down. I said, everybody go home. And I was like, oh my gosh, like this is crazy. Like nobody knew what was going on. Nobody knew what to expect. But then what happened after that, the economy just absolutely went to trash. Right, And then schools are, are shutting down and kids are going home and all the parents are like, what do I do with these kids now? Like, I was expecting to have some time to myself. I was expecting to have somebody else be taking care of them right now. And now I'm having to do this and, and I'm having to put them in daycare, but the daycares are closed. I'm having to hire somebody or I don't know what to do. We're trying to figure this out. And people are losing jobs left and right. And then what happens with George Floyd and everything that came along with that, the protests and the, the confusion and the differences of opinions that people have between family members even, it was difficult. It was very divided. And then even more divisive was the election, right, which is still going on right now. Like, oh, my goodness, that is the longest election that I have ever seen. It's insane how long this stuff has been drawn out. But, you know, it's still going on. Hopefully it will be over soon and we can get into 2021. It's like, oh, Lord, this year has not been what any of us would have expected. Nobody would have been ready for that. And nobody would have expected this, but you know who did expect it was God. God expected it. God knows exactly what is going on in your life right now. He knows what's going on in the world and he has it all in the palm of his hand. But we're so quick to blame God when things don't go our way. How could a loving God allow all of this stuff to happen? It doesn't make any sense. When things don't go as expected, it's so easy for us to blame God. And that's exactly what the Jews did to Jesus. It's exactly what they did. Maybe unbeknownst to them, but that's exactly what they did. They blamed Jesus, the King, the Messiah, for not being what they expected him to be. You're not the one that we want. You're not the one that's here to help us. All you're doing is causing more trouble you're causing more division between us. You're not here to help us at all. That's what they thought, and they ended up blaming Jesus, the Son of God himself, and they had no idea what they were doing. But you know what nobody else would have expected either? You ready for this? I don't know if you guys are ready for this. You know what nobody else would have expected either? Is that three days later, some women would go on by that tomb you know what was there? The stone was rolled away. His body wasn't there. Jesus was alive. And he is the king of kings, the Lord of lords, who sits at the right hand of the Father today. And let me tell you, he's here in this room with us right now. That's something we can celebrate together. Can we give it up for Jesus that he's here in this room right now? He is alive and he sits at the right hand of the Father. There is a king and his name is Jesus. And he's here today to set you free from your sin, to give you a new life in him, to give you an abundant life, to fill your heart with joy everlasting, to make you a brand new person, and to give you a life that you could honestly never have on your own apart from Jesus. And many people, they come to church during this time, uh, and it's kind of funny, but a lot of people come to church during this time just to check it off the list, right? Like this is just the time that I come to church, I check it off the list, right? Uh, and, and a lot of you might be out of town, uh, you know, coming into town to Kyle, but you live somewhere else and you're visiting with us today. And to you, I want to say thank you for being here today. I'm so glad you got to join us for Christmas at Radical Church. And I hope that you take this message back to wherever you're from. And there might be some people that are normally here that are out in another town visiting somewhere else. 
But you know, there's this certain, the certain type of Christian that I always think is so interesting. They're called CEO Christians. You ever heard of these? CEO Christians. You know what that stands for? Christmas Easter only Christians. Christmas, Easter, only Christians. And some of y'all are like, oh, shoot, that's me. <laughs> some of y'all are like, oh, the pastor just called me out. Baby, we haven't been in a while. Shoot, you know, we need to get back in church, you know. I understand that. You know why? It's because sometimes life doesn't go as expected. Sometimes life is difficult and we let things slip away and slip by. But I want to encourage you today, don't let come into church and don't let today just be a moment that you are passing on through the town, that you're passing on by. Don't let today be a moment, but let this be the day that you look back on 10 years from now and say, you know what, this is when everything changed for me and my family. This is when everything changed, when I found my life in Jesus, when I rededicated my life to God, when my addictions were broken, when I was healed, when my marriage was restored, when I found a community of people that I could do life with, it's when everything changed. Don't let this just be a moment, a blip in your life, but let this be a day and a moment where you say yes to Jesus and everything changes for you. And you might have come in here today understandably, I think there might be some people that they're not expecting a spiritual experience, right? They're not expecting anything. You're just here and you're just saying, you know what, I'm, I'm just here. I'm, I'm glad to be here, but I might not come back, you know, two weeks from now when we have service on the third or, you know, this is kind of just something I do. I'll be back for Easter sort of a thing. You might have not been expecting a meeting with a king, but he's here today. Jesus is here in this room and he wants to have a meeting with you right now. He wants to bring you into his throne room and have a chat with you and give you some hope, give you some love that maybe you haven't had in a long time to heal the broken places of your life. So God is a God of the unexpected. I think that's the coolest part about all of this is that God does unexpected things. He's so different than what maybe we thought that he should have been. And I want to tell you a little bit about my King Jesus today. Can I do that? Let me, I don't, you guys are not ready. Can I tell you a little bit about my King Jesus today? Can I? Okay, let me tell you. Jesus is the King of Kings, y'all. He is the Lord of Lords. He's the Prince of Peace, the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. He's the healer of the sick. He opens the blind eyes. He opens the deaf ears. He gives hope to the hopeless, grace to the broken. Death could not defeat him. The grave couldn't hold him. The devil couldn't stop him. He's not mad at you in this place today. He loves you and he wants a relationship with you. He's not distant. He's not this faraway God. He's here in this room with us by his Holy Spirit. And no matter what you've done, no matter how far you feel from God right now, no matter what places of your life are broken and need healing, he's here today and he has a meeting scheduled with you right now. So my question to you is how will you respond to this king? How will you respond? Because there's three ways that you could respond that we see in this story. The first one is King Herod. He was just completely opposed. He said, I don't need God. I don't need him in my life. I'm good doing the things that I'm doing. I feel like everything's fine. Well, let me tell you that we're all born into sin. The Bible says that for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, we all need a savior in Jesus. You could be the second response, maybe something like the religious leaders where you're, you're looking for something, but you see Jesus and you just dismiss him. 
no, you know, that, that's not the God that I want. That's not the God I expected. This isn't what I want. You'll go into church, you know, people invite you or you come to church and there's all these people and it's like, hey, would you come to church with me and you be a part of something that's bigger than yourself? You wanna read God's living word? You wanna be in a relationship with God himself? And you're like, ah, eh, not really, I don't know. It's like, there's so many of us that are living in that place. And then the third response that you could have is like the wise men that bowed down and worshiped God, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. So my question to you today is how will you respond to this king? Because there is a king and his name is Jesus.